0: Caesar's irrelevant in the discussion. Let's, let's check where our hearts are. And if our hearts in the right place, God's going to take care of the governmental stuff of this. And you, we don't have to intertwine our politics. It, it, he wasn't saying don't be involved in social issues, but what he was saying is don't let that so capture your heart that now you become exclusive of people and you become hard hearted to the real task of, of showing and demonstrating what God looks like in relationship with people. That's what he was constantly coming back to for the Pharisees is you've become hard-hearted because of this religious ideology you're walking in, this this thought that a Messiah is gonna show up and overthrow the government and that you have to manipulate that to make it happen. You've become hard-hearted and missed the mission
1: For those willing to listen, learn, and have eyes to see and ears to hear, this is the nonpartisan
0: evangelical podcast. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't
1: lose any voters, okay? Challenging the mindset of right-wing Christianity and encouraging people to have their minds renewed and hearts transformed. What
0: knucklehead, mush for brains, evangelical leaders are trying to to, uh, to overthrow Trump, it's a special kind of dumb and calling yourself a Christian.
1: Let's have better conversations about the life modeled in the Bible so we can truly tell the world God is not mad at you. This is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at npepodcast.com.
0: All right, I think we're live.
1: We are live.
0: We are live. You may live see on See a couple of others with us on here today. We we were just doing a whoops, I hit the mic there. Sorry. We were just doing a live event with our NPE Patreon community. And so for those who subscribe at patreon.com slash NPE podcast, every once in a while you get your own live one-on-one or two-on-one with us. So so we've just been doing that. And now we're ready to do our weekly coffee it's, with Paul and Ashley.
1: It's a bargain at twice the price, yeah. shall we say. <laughs> For the sales pitch of the morning, yeah, Patreon, five ninety nine a month.
0: Five ninety nine a month. If you sign up at the twelve ninety nine level, we send you an autographed copy of my book. There it is. Joseph comes to town, or you can see the sign right behind us. But yeah, we're not in Pismo today.
1: Well, for our, you know, I'm sure very loyal followers on <laughs> Saturday morning Facebook Lives, you you will know that our backdrop has changed and that. Last week we were sitting in front of the camera we were bundled up the skies were gray we were shivering because we were not in the central valley of california last saturday morning we were we were in pismo and we were on the third story of a little townhouse we were staying in and the ocean was in the background and the waves were crashing and it was absolutely stunning so then today we're like okay we're back in our like home office <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, okay. We got to make this a little more visually stimulating look for people because we have a hard break from last week's beautiful shot. So we have a poster for you to enjoy this morning. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: we figure something needed to be eye catching in the background. So we've put, yes. put that up today. And so we've been talking about, you guys may even have some suggestions of where we should go, but we're going to put, uh, maybe we go out to Woodward Park here in Fresno. Well, don't give the secret. Oh, right? okay. We're,
1: they're going to be surprises. I like surprises. So we're going to do like, maybe surprise location. So obviously they're going to be outside because we're, we're in a rollback County in Fresno, California. So different from like sales at Walmart rollback in COVID means you're back to sheltering in place and only being in um, essential, um, essential errands or being outside. So if we, if we go remote, then we're going to be outside. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll do that. And we wear our mask everywhere we go. So we're Where we want to keep people safe and we We think that's important. We
1: are. You know what? I will just stay on that point. This is my little team at the community foundation. We have three people of 16 in isolation right now or quarantining. So it's, it's feeling very serious for us. And yeah, just really hope everybody who will be watching this, the hope that you're safe. We're praying, praying, praying for people to just be free of this virus. Yeah. 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 So, okay, Um, I
0: agree. I don't need to add anything to that.
1: Yeah, I know. Uh, That that was probably all we can say about that. All right. So we wanted to just kick off this morning and say I see people are signing on. Thank you so much for joining us. And we're finding that people um, are tuning in throughout the week, too. So we post these after we go live and uh, we've we've gotten some some great participation. So thank you so much for spending spending a little bit of time with us. We want to incentivize those of you who are logging on right now live. We want to incentivize you to hang out with us through the next 30 to 40 minutes at the most. We always say it's to me 30 minutes. Depending and
0: then on how much preaching goes Paul on. Paul
1: yeah. and I are so verbal that we sometimes have a hard time <laughs> reigning it in. But I can guarantee, I will take personal responsibility for making sure we land this plane okay. by, let's say, no later than 1130. Sounds okay? good. Okay. Well, okay, 1125. Anyway, if you can hang with us to the end, we're going to have a little surprise for you and an incentive for your time. Um, so pop in your earbuds. You know, put your phone in your hip pocket and go about your Saturday morning, but stay on because you might want to hear about that little prize or incentive at the end. And yeah, I think the other thing we wanted to start off by saying before we jump into our our little our little talk for the day yeah. um, is we want to say thank you to those of you who subscribed this week to NPE podcast uh, on, um, on Apple, Apple. iTunes. So our goal was to get 100 subscribers on one day, which we're told is the way to like break through the algorithm and like get the world to start paying a little more attention. We obviously feel very strongly about what we're sharing through NPE, nonpartisan evangelical. So we want more people to hear it. We don't know because you can't tell how many people have. Yeah, subscribed. Apple won't
0: let you know how many subscribers you have.
1: But it seems like just based on the messages response was and amazing. Thank those of you who let Paul know that you went on and subscribed. it Feels like we got a pretty good response to that, so thank you for that. I will also say, just because you didn't subscribe on the one day little blitz that we were doing, please, if you Still haven't go. subscribed, it makes a difference. So it's uh, it's the nonpartisan evangelical on Apple iTunes no skin off your nose to stop what you're doing right now, jump on subscribe. And that helps, uh, that just helps create a little more of a platform for us. And we'll talk later today about how we're envisioning this platform kind of moving forward and some some things that we have planned.
0: And so then do we go what we're doing this week?
1: Okay. So, well, first of all, I was just thinking, I have to figure out what we have planned in the next 40 (laughs) minutes. (laughs) Because I just said, we're going to say something. Okay. Yeah. But then, yeah, talk about this, coming week, the promotion that we have planned. Yeah,
0: we want you to go and do a review on Amazon for Joseph Comes to Town this Wednesday. Don't do it before. Now, some of you said, I've already done a review. Thank you. Yes, you can't go do another one unless you go through another email address. I don't know, something. But yes, I want you to write a review for the book on on Wednesday uh, on Amazon. So you just go to Amazon and search Joseph Comes to Town or or you search Paul Swearengen. And it'll come up and then uh, just go to the review section uh, and you get to write a review. So if we can get 100 people to write a review this week, that's going to tell Amazon like, hey, there's some momentum on this book. And and what that does is once Amazon realizes there's some momentum on a book and 100 may or may not be enough, we'll see. But but then it it comes up in the also suggesting or, you know, when you buy a book, they suggest other books to buy. And what you want is your book to get into that cadre of starting to be suggested by Amazon to others. This
1: is all about tricking the robot world that we all now live in. Yeah. And the algorithms that are really running everything, like we're trying to outsmart them. So
0: as the time I was publishing my book, my friend in the publishing world said the great news today is anybody can publish a book. The bad news is anybody can publish a book. And so there's tons and tons of books out there, but I think mine's pretty special. It's a novel about what would Jesus say about the religious right if he were on earth in the flesh today.
1: And we want to say to Danielle, who reached out to Paul yeah. by email, she said, hey, can I meet you and grab a couple books and did that this morning. She's giving a book to her friend and she they're reading it quickly so they can do the review on Wednesday. So thank you, Danielle. That is thank you,
0: Danielle and really, Carol. really,
1: really awesome. And folks can get it electronically, right? So-
0: Yeah, you can get it on Amazon. You can buy the Kindle version if you want to read it immediately. Because I heard Amazon is a little slow in delivery of the book right now.
1: Yeah, you couldn't get it in time.
0: If you're in the Fresno area and you want to DM me on Facebook, we can can connect and get it to you that way. And you can pay on PayPal or Venmo. And so if somebody's in the area and close by, we can figure out how to get you a book.
1: Okay, so 100. We want 100 reviews and asterisks. We'd like them to be good reviews, but... (laughs) We can't be picky <laughs> if you're writing a five review. stars preferred. We'll take it. Whatever you're gonna say, we'll take it. Yeah. All right. So so this week, you know what we like to do on Saturday mornings, Paul and I, honestly, it's I feel like we are debriefing our week and, and you guys are Are participants in that. So this is just a little bit therapeutic for us. We are living in a crazy intense time. We think overall, we're we're hopeful and we're optimistic that there are important things coming to light in American culture today that need to be exposed and revealed. We need to carefully and thoughtfully reevaluate where we are as a country, where we are as a society. And Paul is adding his reflections to that, you know, every day, if you see him on social media, he's posting things, he's posting blogs, he's posting interviews. And so on Saturday mornings, we just like to catch up and say, okay, so what was on your mind this week? And um, kind of a post of the week, if you will, type of thing. And so I asked Paul last night, all right, so give me the rundown. What did you post? And like, you know, what do you, what do we want to really highlight? And he said, well, I wrote in my head two blogs this week that I haven't posted. (laughs) And I was like, great, let's talk about the post of the week that didn't happen yet. And the the, the, the the halfway written blog in your mind, and actually the one that I think is really amazing, it's a modern day parable. So you'll probably finish it and put it up this next week, but it's a modern day parable about what we're calling the trap questions of the evangelical church. Yeah. So when you see this posted on the website later in the week, this particular live will be called, we think, the trap questions.
0: Of of the evangelical evangelical church. Church. All right.
1: So with that, first of all, let's talk about like Jesus. Did did the sort of governmental religious leaders of the day, how did they put forward trap questions for Jesus?
0: Yeah, and and as a backdrop, a modern what I think of of a modern day parable is, is I think if you read the Bible just as a as a text, you miss the importance of it. But if we can take what we read in the Bible and put it into a modern-day context, which is called hermeneutics, you really get a feel for what was happening there. That's why I wrote a modern-day parable called The Good Islamic Fundamentalist, rather than telling the story of the Good Samaritan. We need to feel what that audience was feeling to really get get the impact of it. So yes, what the Pharisees, who were the, the good religious people of the day, when Jesus was on earth, they were they were the Boy Scout troop masters. They were the Little League coaches. They were the Sunday school teachers. They were the good people well, of the culture.
1: And more importantly, like not to impugn Little League coaches too much, but like, but more importantly, they were governmental leaders, right? I mean, in they, some ways, in yes. some ways, like there was much more of a blend between like church and governmental structure.
0: Yeah, in a lot of ways, the church was the the governmental structure, but they had a governmental structure over them that was the yeah. Roman Empire. And they were constantly trying to manipulate the politics of Jewish and Roman relations, which was a big part of why Jesus had a big, big problem with
1: them. So maybe another way to say that is the church was really linking up with government and politics to try to manipulate what they wanted for their religious outcomes.
0: I would say, yes, their their modus operandi, their mindset, if you will, Very similar to the American evangelical church today that says if we can just get the politics in order and get the right laws in place, then everything will be good in our nation.
1: Yeah. So important point, like a total parallel to what we see today. Right.
0: Right. So one of the things they wanted to do was discredit Jesus because he was bringing a different message and he was pointing his finger at them and saying, those guys are hypocrites and they, they don't see what God is doing in the season. So they really wanted to discredit him. So what they would do is come to him often with trap questions. And one of those was, Jesus, do you think we should pay tribute to Caesar? And it was one of the major issues of today. Like, Like today, the issue would be players kneeling for the national anthem. Taxation to Rome was the big social media discussion of the day. And so they came to Jesus with this question, should we pay tribute to Caesar? And they would often come to Jesus with questions like these about about social issues because they wanted to trap Jesus. They wanted to force him to pick a side. So on that question of taxes... He was either going to have to say, yes, let's pay tribute, which would then make him in opposition. A lot of Jews would then write him off because they thought taxation was immoral and horrible and traitorous, or he would then say, no, we shouldn't pay tribute to Caesar, which would then allow the Pharisees to go to the Romans and say, this guy's seditious and he wants to overthrow Rome and maybe get him killed, which is what they ultimately did.
1: And so the way we would talk about that in current political terms is if you guys have heard of like purity tests, right? The, you know, we, we in the evangelical church, we come up with like, you have to exactly think this way. You have to be exactly this way. And then there are all these like put, put people on the spot and, you know, say what you believe about this, the purity test. So essentially Jesus was being like, like he was being challenged in the same way by religious political leaders of his day.
0: A lot of what we want to do in American evangelicalism today is, is slap a label on somebody. If I can call you a liberal or if I can call you a Democrat, or if I can call you a Marxist or a socialist, then I don't have to consider anything that you say. So we're always And it's how the human mind works. We want to put something into categories so we know how to deal with it. And so if I can slap a label on you, then I don't have to consider what you have to say. Or I can consider you all in on my side and know that you have to continue to be pure to my side. And so Jesus just refused to answer their questions.
1: Well, so when he was really pushed on this question, do you pay tribute to Caesar? What did he say?
0: So the actual words we see in the text was you know, show me a coin whose image is on it. And they said, Caesar's on it. And so he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God's. And so what he was ultimately doing is saying, I'm not going to answer your question. I'm going to point back at your heart. And, and, and so again, in all of these trap questions, he would always point back at where are your hearts in this? And, and so he, what he was saying is, you know, Caesar's irrelevant in the discussion. Let's let's check where our hearts are. And if our hearts in the right place, God's going to take care of the governmental stuff of this. And we don't have to intertwine our politics. He wasn't saying don't be involved in social issues. But what he was saying is don't let that so capture your heart that now you become exclusive of people and you become hard hearted to the real task of of showing And demonstrating what God looks like in relationship with people. That's what he was constantly coming back to for the Pharisees is you've become hard hearted because of this religious ideology you're walking in this, this thought that a Messiah is going to show up and overthrow the government, and that you have to manipulate that to make it happen you've become hard-hearted and missed the mission. And that's what he was constantly pointing at the Pharisees.
1: Okay. So on the question of, do you pay tribute to Caesar? Jesus basically says, Hey, give to Caesar what Caesar's like, I'm not going to, you know, and as you just said, really the issue is why are you asking me that? And why are you aligned with whatever you're aligned with to come at me that way? But the other thing, another example, talk about, he was pressed on whether or not he would condemn a woman for what, culture said was like sin of the day.
0: Yeah. So they brought out the story in the Bible is called the woman caught in adultery. They brought this woman before him. And there's a whole lot of nuances to the story. We won't get into today, but but basically what they did is they brought this woman caught in the act probably of prostitution. And they're like, okay, now Jesus, are you going to condemn this? sin? we know you're talking about grace with everyone, but here's an actual sinner. by our rules. We get to stone her. That's the law.
1: And, admit this is sin. Yeah. Admit it. Admit this is sin. Like how often do we hear that? Yeah. in this day and age? Are
0: you going to stand for truth? Now, Jesus, here's a sinner caught in the act and we have the stones in our hand and we're going to stone her. And again, what he said is let's go to the reason that you're bringing her to me rather than her act. And he began to call out and write in the dirt sort of things that condemned those holding the stones until all of them were so embarrassed. They walked away. And so, again, Jesus refused to answer the question of, is your theology pure, Jesus? We're going to trap you now. Either you're going to have to choose to stand for truth or stand for grace, which is your pick. And he says, I refuse to answer your question, but I'm going to point at your heart.
1: Yeah. In fact, he says, those of you who are perfect, you know, throw the first stone. Go ahead. Like, yeah. you know, so he he turns it back on them. If
0: you can prove you're worthy to condemn this woman, go ahead and throw throw the stone. And, And he knew their motives were to get him. They didn't care anything that they were making a public spectacle of this woman. And that was more of an affront to Jesus. And I would say more of an affront to God than the act of that woman. And today with our churches, our desire to condemn sin versus love people is a problem for God, I believe, and a problem for Jesus. We would rather talk about sin and say, those people are doing bad things, rather than check our own hearts of have we become hard hearted toward people and toward our culture.
1: So the last one that you were sharing with me, that's that's in your half written blog to in your mind. <laughs> and I'm sure this is going to help you write it. Yeah, talking about it right now. So all of you is when you read it, you'll be like, Oh, yeah, I, I heard Paul talking about that. The last one was this whole idea of like working on the Sabbath or breaking a religious law. So we see examples of like disciples Jesus' disciples um, gathering food to eat on a Sabbath and getting condemned for that by the religious governmental leaders. And then Jesus, like directly ministering, literally healing people, but doing it on a day where everyone was not supposed to do anything. So he gets challenged on that a lot.
0: Yeah. And again, you know, why are your disciples doing this on the Sabbath? And Jesus saying Sabbath wasn't created. Man wasn't created for the Sabbath. In other words, man's not a slave to the Sabbath. The Sabbath is is there for the the people. And I did not say what he said is man wasn't created for the Sabbath. Sabbath was created for the man. And what he was saying is that day of rest isn't there to be a tyranny to people. It's there to be a help to people. And once we start saying you can't do anything on a Sunday or on a Sabbath day, which was Saturday for them then then now you've created a tyranny over yeah, people like
1: you're enslaved to and, that
0: and again it's like you say it was a religious purity test and i i hear this a lot in now today of like paul why aren't you upset that we're not being allowed to worship in our church services man we've already been told we can't gather now we can't sing and and i'm pointing to the heart behind that of saying is that so important to us that we would risk the lives of people in the midst of a pandemic because our true goal as Christians is to have a really comfortable padded seat with really good music played through big speakers by a worship leader with skinny jeans and a smoke machine behind it? Is that what true worship looks like in America today? And and so again, people are coming saying, Let's be pure. The Bible says, don't forsake gathering yourself together. Don't forsake worshiping in the sanctuary. And I'm saying, what's the heart behind that? Yes, we love going to church and singing music and worshiping. But at a time when we have a chance to really display a different spirit, what we're displaying is that our rights matter more than the well-being of people around us. And I just don't think that's a reflection of Jesus.
1: Well, and I don't want to get too far down on this point, but... but. We heard this week from, you know, very esteemed evangelical community leader, literally say that the government has taken away our ability to worship. And I about fell out of my chair because yeah. I thought to myself, absolutely that has not. not Nobody can take that ability yeah. away from me. I mean, like, I, you know, and in, in if you've so defined and confined worship to you know, the Sunday morning, nine 30 service within, you know, this little square footage of building then. Okay. Yeah. You along with every other group gathering, we are under restriction, but who thinks of like that, that's the only way you worship. I don't know. That's, that was, I was startled to hear because in our sort of stream of Christendom, I mean, it seems like people understand, like, no no you're worshiping all the time. I mean your acts of service are worship. Your heart attitude wherever you are any moment in the day is your connection to God is your worship. Yeah. So
0: and uh, the the idea that we're being restricted from sharing the gospel I heard spoken this week and that's just not true people yeah. as as a as a pastor of a church for 10 years every pastors meeting I sat in for that decade The pastors were all asking this question, how do we get the people out of the church and into culture and making an impact around us? How do we how do we get people out of this mindset that church happens on Sunday morning for an hour and a half or an hour in some cases? And and here we are. We're, we have an unbelievable chance to redefine what Christianity and the church is, and we're screaming about it. And the rest of culture is looking at us like, you guys are nuts. So I want to say I, I, I've been on clergy calls with the governor's people, and I expressed to them my concern that clergy was not considered an essential service. I think clergy and chaplaincy are as essential as psychologists and all of those things, which I also think are essential in counselors. So I have expressed that concern. But oppression is when you're no longer allowed to proclaim yourself a Christian. It becomes against the law for a single religion to be able to practice their religion and proclaim themselves as a part of that religion. When all religions and all concerts and all music halls and and any, any music joint are not allowed to sing all at the same time. That's not religious oppression. And someday we may face religious oppression. Let's make sure we're not the boy that cried wolf when it actually happened.
1: Okay, so just to reel it back a little bit. Saturday morning, morning we're having coffee with each other. And this is, as we always kind of like to acknowledge, like, like this is heavy stuff. And I think part of why we like to just sit together and talk through this a little bit is because you know, Paul, every week, every day, you know, you're just kind of pounding away trying to break through on social media. And it's, it's hard to hear some of the stuff we're talking about. And so I just want to stop and say, in the middle of this, we maintain an attitude and, and an outlook of being encouraged. We actually think some of these really hard things we're going through as society are going to ultimately reveal God's love and God's grace. And so we are encouraged. Like, And and like us kind of raising our fist right now at our own brothers and sisters on the evangelical world, we're doing that because um, we think there's something more and better for us who are trying to demonstrate the love of God in our society today. So that's why we're doing this. And by the way, if you're just tuning in and maybe you've never watched Paul and Ashley or whatever, I just want to make sure you know what you're listening to. So this is the nonpartisan evangelical. Paul is the nonpartisan evangelical. I am a nonpartisan evangelical. Paul Pastor started in Pastor a Church for ten years. I've been doing community and economic development in Central California for the last twenty years, including serving amazing in the office. Really, we having, don't get
0: to talk enough about what you do on this podcast. But she does amazing, amazing well, stuff. Well, I
1: hang out with amazing people who yeah. are doing amazing stuff, and we get to support them, and that's awesome. And yeah, so ways you can know more about the nonpartisan evangelical, you can go to npepodcast.com, sign up for the email insiders list, and that'll get you um, connected almost every day. You're sending out something. No, you're not every day. A few times a week. I won't yeah. try to
0: overly blast you. Yeah, that's you. true. We yeah. don't want
1: to spam people. But but direct connection with Paul, certainly check out his social media handles and you can DM him at any time if you want to. I mean, this guy, I will tell you, there's almost not a moment of the day. And now that we're sheltering a place for so long, I'm very aware of his work patterns. He is all the time talking to people, connecting on social media, responding to criticism, helping people kind of think through some of these cultural religious issues that we find ourselves in now. So he's like, he's pumping it out. That's what stuff. I do. That's what he does. And, and uh, he does that because... Like I said, we just really feel like we recognize the significance of this moment in American history and frankly, to be way dramatic, the history of the world, but we're coming up on a major anniversary of our country in the year 2026. It's going to be a very significant anniversary. And
0: is that 250?
1: So I don't want to do the math in my head. (laughs) I was literally trying to cover up for the fact that I don't know. It must be. It's a 50 something. So yeah, okay, 250, <laughs> 300, whatever. We'll we'll get back to you on that. That's funny. But I think it's a marker and I really am thinking about between now and then sort of what's the old stuff that we're going to shed. There's going to be this huge full-on generational shift from boomers to millennials. Yeah. What are we as Gen Xers going to do in the middle of that to um, best position millennials and then, you know, Gen Z for success and for All of the freedom and prosperity that we we believe is available for them. And so so we think this bizarre kind of marriage between religion and politics has gotten gotten our bloomers in a bunch in the white (laughs) evangelical American church. And we need to untwist that. So that's what we what Paul has dedicated himself to. And uh, you can help support this. Okay. You talk about Patreon real quick.
0: Sure. So Re- remind people we're going to have a surprise at the end.
1: Yes, that's so right.
0: Stick because some people are coming in and out. So okay. stay with us till the end. And yes, uh, yeah. please
1: do. But we and we committed to ending by I said eleven thirty, but I'm going to say eleven twenty-five. Really? Okay. Right? Well, we better so we get trucking. All right. All right. So real quick on Patreon, we've got a number of folks who support us. It's five ninety-nine a month, or it's twelve ninety-nine a month, and um, we're just cobbling together resources, putting those dollars back into. Promoting this platform because and, and trying to connect to other people who are doing similar things because we really think like the future of our country is at stake. So we're very committed, and, we're and committed. I don't and, and
0: I don't think that's an overly dramatic statement. We think the Bible has a really clear statement. If if we want America to be great again, the Bible says if my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, which I mean I think means seek my ways rather than their own and turn from their ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. So
1: for those of yeah. you who have been in the evangelical culture, like we have, you know that that verse gets thrown around every year on the national day of prayer. And when we say it, what we mean is all of you other people, if those people, if other people out there, people who aren't Christian or people who are in a different stream of Christendom, if all, If everybody else would turn from their wicked ways, then God would heal our land. but actually what that verse says is us uh, people who who go by the label Christianity. if we would humble ourselves, that's the key to healing our land. So we're just really in a time of um, in some ways enjoying the process of just humbling ourselves and 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 praying and leaning into stuff that maybe has not been something we've been yeah. too familiar with. And, and
0: humbling yourself means sometimes you have to set aside your strongly held precepts and be able to hear something yep. else. Romans 12, 2 says, you know, don't be conformed to what you've always known, Whoops, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can know the good and perfect will of God. So sometimes humbling yourself means... You don't get to believe what you've believed for a long, long time. You're going to have to set that aside.
1: Okay, so that was a really long commercial break. So yeah. what I like about live Facebook is we're not confined to 30-second <laughs> spots. So that was us going, okay. But backing up a second, so Paul's put, you know, doing this partially written blog this week. You'll see it uh, in full form on his website, npepodcast.com, this next week. And the title of this blog is the trap questions of the evangelical church. And we just talked about the way in which Jesus got all these trap questions, you know, like the purity test questions that a lot of times we use in you know, modern society to like test whether or not a politician or a religious leader is like good enough to receive our support. Jesus faced the very same kind of scrutiny. So we just kind of walked through um, what the trap questions were like in his day. But now let's turn to what you're seeing people put forward to you in response to a lot of the stuff you're putting out there. Top three American evangelical trap questions of today.
0: Hmm. Top three Americans. Right. So
1: well, I wrote, I wrote, I wrote them down.
0: Okay, good. <laughs> so,
1: you gave them to me earlier.
0: One of these I faced this week was somebody asking, well, Paul, how do you feel about the fact that you've stood with black lives matter now knowing it's a Marxist organization? I got that question. And then, so being one of those trap questions that we, when I was in, worked in media, we used to call that the, how long have you been beating your wife question? It's, it's, it's meant as a trap. It's not a, it's not a legitimate question. And so I got this, you know, knowing that BLM is funded by George Soros, the evil behind everything and a Marxist organization. How do you feel about it now? And, and so I really did again, take the posture of Jesus of like, well, Why has that become a major issue when we have this opportunity to stand with people and mourn with people as we're commanded to in the Bible and follow the lead of Jesus to sit with people that that are marginalized by the religious community? Why is all of a sudden it's so important to you to have sort of this label you can slap on the movement and on anybody who's standing for our communities of color these days? Why? What is in your heart? To, gosh darn it! I gotta quit hitting that thing. What is in your heart that's making you want to be able to label this and and in essence discount the idea that there's something that needs to change in our culture with the with our communities of color and and so when I when that was my response then oh you should have seen the piling on of oh you won't answer the question you're not a Christian you're not smart you're getting manipulated by the mainstream media. You know, all of the things that these are all the trap questions we have now in the evangelical
1: community. And so just for those of you who um, follow Paul on social media. Believe it or not, he loves this kind of stuff. <laughs> so when I was in elected office, I was like, I will never read comments, the comment section of the Fresno Bee. I I wouldn't rarely, allow you to. No, I would not look at my Facebook page. But but Paul, you love it. I mean, you were you were born to do this. So well,
0: I, I just think it's important every once in a while to hear something different than what we've always heard. But like I quoted Romans 12 twelve two there, and it says, "Don't be conformed to the age." That's like. Don't get stuck in a bubble. Allow your mind to be transformed. And in the evangelical church, I don't think we're ever asking the hard questions of what if we're wrong? What if this is not God's main purpose for the season? And, and it was the same with the religious people when Jesus was on earth. Of course, this woman committing prostitution and adultery means everything to God. And Jesus was like, no, actually, your heart condition is more important to him. And so we can yell Marxist or these other things. And I think God is saying to us, like, what's going on with your heart? That that is so important to you. While these hurting people crying out means nothing to you, what has happened in your religious system to make you this hard hearted?
1: Yeah, that I think, honestly, I think that is probably the most important point right there. I think you just summed it up. Like, it we just have to, we have to evaluate our hearts. And if we're really dug in on... Admit you're a liberal, admit you watch mainstream media, admit that you're not calling people out for rioting or whatever. The, the problem there is like, what is it in you? That is, that is, is, is requiring you to be so focused on what you see going on in other people. Like what's, what is that about? So we kind of just blurred a few of those there together, but there's a couple other ones that you mentioned, I think are really important. So top three trap questions of the evangelical church today you know, BLM is Marxist, anti-family communist, something like that. So you talked about that, but this other one, you're a liberal or like, like just putting a label on someone in order to discount what they're trying to express. That is a really, I mean, that happens frankly across the board and all kinds of different, you know, cultural groups, but, but, you know, we're calling it out in the evangelical church. I remember, I remember one time talking to a local Republican political leader Great guy, loves God, prays all the time, you know, wonderful guy. And I just remember saying like, hey, you know, I'm I'm praying for people across the political spectrum, and I'm just trusting and believing God to like bring about, you know, more of what he wants for Democrats and more of what he wants for Republicans. And the very fact that I suggested that we should be praying for
0: a Democrat, Democrat,
1: Democrat the, the party in general, he almost like abruptly stopped the conversation. He couldn't hear it. He could not hear that that God, in fact, has a plan for people on the other side of the political aisle. Yeah. And so that labeling thing, the label and the discount is really pretty stinky.
0: And so that that term liberal in the evangelical church has come to mean you're not completely in on our ultra extreme standing on politics. I don't think evangelicals understand. I hear evangelicals all the time say, well, I'm a moderate. I'm in the middle. Are our stance has become so extreme that anybody that's not 100% in on the extreme is now called a liberal, and 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 we don't recognize that that's where we're coming from. You and I have conversations with Democratic friends and people that are like, hey, there's some issues on your side, but but our side has become so extreme that anybody who's not in that extreme is is labeled with something else. And that is actually driving people away from the church and away from the gospel. And ultimately that's, my issue is, is not ultimately political. It's, it's that we're injuring the voice of the church to be able to speak into the problems of culture with our extremes. And so that desire of anybody that's not a hundred percent in that knows the laws we want to pass are the most important thing. And we can, any, any, means to that is justified by the ends of those laws being passed is just not from heaven. That is something that we've taken on and we want to be able to label people so we can discount them and not again have to deal with our own heart conditions in the middle of it. Okay. Hard stuff today. It can, is hard can I stuff. say something yeah. about real quick, and, and I know I'm going to violate your time thing, but this idea of, I've heard this a couple of times recently, that Black Lives Matter is against Sort of the traditional family. The traditional family is a big word in evangelical circles, and and I want to I want to caution people about something in that term that terminology because what I've heard, either blatantly or hinted at by quite a few Christians in recent recent weeks is this idea that the problem in our communities of color in our towns is their fathers are not taking care of their households. I've, I've heard that several times, and what we have to be careful of is 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 we're not asking a why with that and and what it becomes well, if you're whether
1: not whether or not it's even true or whether or not it's in even the first true place. yeah
0: but but even if you believe it's true instead of saying if you're not asking a why is there something systemic like are we incarcerating more black men than we are any other race or genre of people out there And why are we doing that? And is that causing the problem that we're talking about? If we're not willing to consider those things, it becomes a pretty racially tinged, if not racist statement of ultimately underneath what we're saying is those people don't care about their children as much as we do. And that's the problem. And if we keep saying that and not exploring deeper into what we're saying, it becomes a very racist statement.
1: I want to pause because... I think like if you find I mean, if that's where you find yourself sometimes, you know, maybe just kind of, you never verbalized it, but yeah, you're kind of just thinking that, oh gosh, you know, low-income people or people of color, black, brown, Asian, whatever they, you know what, they don't, they don't take care of their kids the right way. Or you really, what you're saying is they don't love their kids the way that I love my kids. And just stop for a second before you even ask the why, or, you know, looking at mass incarceration and other systemic and structural issues. Why would you even think that in the first place? What's the heart condition behind that? And, you know, man, that, you know, probably being mayor of Fresno and spending time in communities that I had not previously spent time in, I will absolutely admit and I will indict myself that I carried judgment and bias that I didn't really even, there was no way I even knew it was there but just being in communities and and seeing the way that people love and fight for and will do anything for their kids in every square inch of this city i mean every square inch even if not in you know a higher income more stable part of the city it is worth it is worth just taking a little tour of the city and observing and considering that maybe that thinking is so far off that we really, I appreciate you calling that out. Yeah,
0: I I think that's a real important question to ask ourselves is what is my heart condition behind that question? Why, why am I even calling that into being, Am, am I being led by my partisan tribe to use that as a reasoning rather than wanting to take on my own responsibility in the process? But, but to our, our friends from the communities of color in our neighborhood, when they see a statement like that, it it absolutely tears their heart out of their chest. And we need to be aware of the pain that that statement causes. And I'll also
1: just say like-
0: And it's not true.
1: It's Okay, here's the difficult thing. It is important that we surface some of this stuff because it's just under the surface. And really, frankly, it's not even under the surface anymore. But as we are attempting to do that as white people, it is very traumatic for people of color to hear- Like, oh, my God, you guys really think that. And so I just want to put words on that for a second. If you happen to brush by this content and um, you're being exposed to this conversation with white people saying like, yeah, you know, let's be honest. We have judged people of color to not love their kids the same way. And that's why their families are more unstable or their neighborhoods are more unstable. We are saying that and hearing that is trauma with a capital T for a lot of people. And this is, and this brings us, believe it or not, I'm getting us back to okay, good. the third trap question that you're really calling out in this blog that you are writing in your head and will be out in print this next week, is that social justice and focusing on social justice issues undermines the gospel of Jesus. We have heard this quite a lot. Even in the last week, we have heard evangelical leaders say, um, all we care about is preaching the gospel. And therefore, we're going to violate public health directives or whatever. And it just makes us realize the way we've so narrowly defined, quote, preaching the gospel um, really needs to be called into question.
0: Yeah, we've defined the gospel as getting people to say a sinner's prayer, that all God cares about is getting people to say this prayer so that in eternity they'll go to heaven. And I just don't believe that's what it says in the Bible. And I don't believe that's what Jesus modeled because you know how many times Jesus asked people to say the sinner's prayer in the gospels? I do. Do you? How many? Zero. Zero. (laughs) He never once invited somebody to say a sinner's prayer, which is kind of interesting because it's become such a big thing in the evangelical community. Jesus wasn't
1: a very good Christian. He was not
0: a good evangelical (laughs) at all. I know that statement's just going to kill a lot of people we just said. But the point is that what Jesus did is he destroyed or was trying to destroy and disrupt these religious presuppositions that, hey, it's all about getting Judaism restored to being the ruling faction in our country, and that God's plan is going to exist on the earth if Israel is restored as the greatest military and economic power on earth. That was the belief system of the religious leaders, and they thought the key to getting there was getting every Jew to follow the law, and so they would impose really difficult rules and we have to look that our mindset is somewhat similar if we can get people to pray the sinner's prayer and then follow our laws that we want to impose on the country then america will be great again and i don't think we see how much that parallels the same people that jesus said man your hearts are hard are hard and they're so hard that you no longer have eyes to see and ears to hear what god is doing in the season and and uh, so this idea that the gospel doesn't include hearing the voices in our black and brown community saying, hey, we are in pain, and we want you to hear the pain, and we want you to share in the pain, and we want you to change the things Changing, that are causing right. us pain. And if we're not willing to hear that, we are not walking in the gospel. And, and, and what is scary to what you're saying is I've had people say, no, that is in the way of the gospel. That idea of social justice is blocking us from sharing the gospel. And I just say, that statement i 100% disagree with
1: i think maybe i would say it this way just to add to that repentance is a really popular word in the evangelical church and we are so like we so value the church based service where people are asked to evaluate their hearts and and repent quote unquote from any, you know, sin or thing that they've done that's in violation of what we understand, um, God's will to be. And we love it when people walk down the aisle, the center aisle of a church and kneel in front of an altar and say, like, yeah, I'm here to repent and I'm here to turn around from what I've been doing. And I want to follow God. We love that in the church. And when you think about really all the social justice movement is to me, it's about questioning. It's really calling for a corporate repentance. And it's asking people who have had power, which in America aligns very much with the white evangelical church in the last 50 years, asking people who have had power to consider whether or not the systems, not necessarily us as individuals, because I wasn't even here 50 years ago. You were.
0: <laughs> but, <laughs> as you like to continue to but, point out.
1: But, but, but to the extent that, that I have walked in ignorance of what those systemic or structural barriers have been for people. Can I agree that that's wrong? And can I agree that I need to lend a hand to change that? That's a corporate repentance. And so getting back to our favorite verse in second Chronicles, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves to me, that's what a corporate like nationwide corporate repentance would look like is that we would, we would own and acknowledge the way that these systemic and structural barriers have existed for people, we would we would call into question our own personal hearts. And then we would say, hey, we don't want anything to do with that. We we do want to partner with you in building community and a society um, that is aimed at the 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 true concept of of justice and equality. And so yeah. it's real honestly, it's like if you can see it really easily in an individual level on a church service in a Sunday morning, just zoom it out the same principle that's true for an individual, it's true for a society. Yeah. That's all this is.
0: Well, and, and we've defined repent as going to the altar and saying, Jesus, I'm sorry, I stole gum when I was 12. But what repentance actually means is to change your mind and change your direction. It, it The the term literally means make a 180 degree turn and go in the opposite direction. So it's repentance is not just speaking, I'm sorry for doing something. It's changing your ways. And then we miss that Jesus, in, and I, I don't want to preach a big sermon on a bunch of stuff, but he was constantly talking about us in people groups. He was saying, oh, Jerusalem, why do you do this? Oh, Capernaum, it's going to be better for Sodom on Judgment Day than you. Oh, Israel, you're this fig tree that's not bearing fruit, so you're going to be cut off at the roots and thrown in the fire. So, So constantly through the Bible, we're being looked at in people groups. And and that corporate mindset is something that impacts us all. And because we read the Bible as Americans, through our American lens, we've made repentance just an individual God and man thing, which it also is. The whole point of the gospel is to remove any obstacle that keeps people from living a full and abundant life in connection with heaven and with with the creator of the universe. And that's our job, not just to get people to come and say, Here's a sinner's prayer. And I'm sorry that I cussed and said, damn, when I was 17.
1: Okay. So if you have hung with us <laughs> on this Saturday morning, I'm, I literally feel close to tears. Like, I, I think this has been a little bit of a heavier Saturday morning coffee time. I know you were totally <laughs> wired for this, but, but, you know, this is dense. It is it is condensed and dense conversation, and we really just appreciate you for tuning in and giving us a space to share. We, you know, we're not afraid of hard and big things. We're not afraid of having these hard conversations, but we do recognize that if it's just Paul and me constantly, you know, convincing ourselves, then really, what's the impact there? So, thank you for staying with us and for listening. And we said when we first jumped on about 10:40, we were going to land the plane at 11. 30. Then I backed up to 1125. It's 1127. So we better do that. But we said we would give a little incentive for anybody who's still on at the end.
0: I, I got to squeeze in one other thing. Please read, okay. please read my post about the San Francisco Giants manager and baseball players taking a knee. Don't go to knee jerk reactions, kind of a, a, an ironic term to use. Don't go to your knee jerk reaction when you see a picture of those guys taking a knee during the national Anthem let's consider that through all of the history of the civil rights movement, whenever we saw a protester, we found a way to respond to discount those protesters, and history proved us wrong in that. And I want people to consider, will history prove us wrong again today? And can we correct that real time instead of 25 years from now? So please read my post on that. I think it's a really important one.
1: Read the post, go giants.
0: Yeah, they're horrible. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there, there's no hope for the Giants, but they're rebuilding. I get it; they're in a rebuilding, which I've wanted them to be for years. But is, they are, without question, the best Double A team in the major leagues this year. Okay,
1: if there's anything that could cause you to lose your religion, it would be Giants baseball. Yeah. But not because players are kneeling, but because players are kind of stinking because on they the field. Suck.
0: Yes, they're okay, terrible.
1: but we're hanging with them anyway. All right, so what I was going to say is, we promised a little incentive if you hung out with us for this whole time. So thank you so much. Drum roll, please. The first person, the next person who puts in the comment section right now that they want a free copy, uh, an autographed copy of this book, Paul's novel, Joseph Comes to Town. You're going to get this mailed to you. And let's see, drum roll, drum roll. the well, we
0: got some good comments on here.
1: Yes. Who's going to get who the, wants book? the book? Who wants the
0: book? Who wants it? I, I don't know. Does it automatically update? There
1: it is. Su- Suzanne. Suzanne Christina song yeah. is the winner Suzanne thank you so much it's good to see you on oh and we got another one what are we okay now we're <laughs> now we're getting a lot Me, of. Uh, All right. Well, uh, we'll find a way to get folks a copy of the book, and um, for sure we'll get we'll get them autographed for you. And Thank on Wednesday, you. write
0: a review on Amazon.
1: Yes, 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 yes. So Wednesday is our Amazon book review day.
0: Happy birthday to Elaine Robles, Elaine, by the way. Happy the birthday, birthday was, Elaine. Was it yesterday? Yesterday, or Thursday, I think. Yesterday. Yesterday, think. yeah.
1: Happy birthday, Elaine, the newlywed. She's in marital bliss right now. Yes. For her birthday. Yes, she which is. is great. Um, <laughs> all right. So, do you want to close on uh, scripture of the week slash prayer?
0: Yeah, I don't know if I have a scripture okay, of the week. That's fine. Other than you know, in the middle of great turmoil in the Bible, in the book of Jeremiah, in the middle of their city being ransacked, of their men being taken into captivity and being dragged to a foreign land. Jeremiah gave us one of the best, most popular verses in the Bible, and it's Jeremiah twenty-nine, eleven. And that verse says, know this, know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans not to harm you, but to prosper you and to give you a future and a hope and that verse was in the middle of one of the most calamitous times in the history of the people of Israel in which the book was written and it was written not to an individual but to the group of people and i just think today i want to i want to tell all of you out there even as we're we're bringing our critique of the evangelical church and sort of the right wing religious culture the the statement ultimately is like this turmoil this overturn all this nastiness that is being brought into the light today, we believe is part of just the natural progression of humanity and relationship with the universe and with heaven and with God to get to a place where he can bring us hope and a future. And it feels hopeless right now. One side hates the other side. One side hates Black Lives Matter and the other side hates these guys. And in the middle of all of that, God is saying, good, all of this stuff has to be surfaced. My people's heart has to be revealed so I can give you that future and that hope. And so that would be my blessing for everybody today.
1: Yeah, that's good. That's good. Hopeful note. All right. Yep. Should we slap a prayer on this thing? Slap a
0: prayer on it. Yeah. <laughs> so last week, everybody really loved your prayer about, about just about waves mm. of the spirit coming. And, and that's really hung in my head this week. And so I, I just pray a blessing over your household. Those of you watching this live, those who will be watching as it's recorded on Facebook and just to me, wave after wave of sort of feeling the emotion of being connected to each other, connected to God, is just this ongoing renewal of, man, I can even have joy. I can even have peace. I can have well-being in the middle of COVID-19 in this, in this very divisive time. So I just speak that peace into your household and your heart today and bless that with the, in the name of heaven of, of Jesus to come and say, yeah, you're good And I bring you peace in this
1: season. Okay. That's awesome. I think I agree with that. And I feel really convicted to pray about sickness and COVID. Mm. Right. So I'm going to do that. And I close my eyes when I pray because I'm a real (laughs) Christian. (laughs) Ouch. Right. Yes. Okay. I close. Okay. No, actually, I do close my eyes because it helps me like think and yeah. just kind of whatever. So that's more why I do that, not to be religious. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to pray for sickness. So God, God, we just pray that you would cover cover households right now. I'm just going to pray for where I live, Fresno, the Central Valley. I'm going to pray for California and for our entire country. God, we pray your healing power over this nation. I ask God for supernatural, miraculous healing. I ask God for vaccines. I ask God for supply chains to work, for governmental systems to work, Mm -hmm. for people to, to be respectful of one another, to wear masks, to honor public health directives. God, I pray for anybody who's struggling right now with this virus. I ask that you would heal them miraculously. I pray for people in my own office who are um, sick, whose family members are sick. God, would you heal Marcos and Tony and Francisco? Would you protect Claudia? Would you protect Laura and Mm. all of their loved ones? And God, just as you would provide for healing for them, would you provide healing for anybody who listens to this, who knows someone who is sick? And God, we just pray your mercy on us. All of our best efforts to deal with this virus, would you add your supernatural power and your glory to our efforts? And would you bring about a physical healing in this land? Just as we ask you, God, for a healing of our mindsets and our spiritual, that we would come out of alignment with spiritual thinking that would create division in our nation. God, let us walk away from that in the evangelical church and let us let us repent. Just I just... God, I really believe you're calling us to repent and to set down stuff we've been holding on to for over 50 years. So I pray all of that in the name of Jesus. And I just pray, God, anybody who's listening to this today, that they would experience your love this week, that you would overwhelm them with your presence. And I pray that in Jesus name.
0: So I kept my eyes open during the prayer because I was looking at some of the people that have joined us. And so just such a cool group, Dee and and Letitia. Suzanne Virtuosa, our friend Jamal Jones, Allison Hughes, who's a great follower of MP, John Broski, the superstar of KMJ Radio. There you
1: go. We're infecting your airways, <laughs> John.
0: Our friend Nancy Boyd, Elaine, Marty, all of you guys joining us. So just, we really love having you guys with us on a Saturday morning.
1: Yeah, so it's been good. Okay, so we're 10 minutes over, which is pretty good for us. Not bad. people who don't know how to like stop talking.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, Review on Wednesday, Joseph comes to town.
1: Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Love you
0: guys.